0: Well, good morning, Hope Church. It's great to be with you. Is it okay to say that you're fond of the MC? I mean, she's your wife, right? I should be fond of her. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, Well, this morning I got to start with a pop quiz, kind of head into our uh, message today. What are some of the most poisonous animals on the planet? Now, before you get too far, there's a difference between venomous and poisonous it's how the toxin is delivered. So venomous is you're bitten or you're stung, okay? But this is poisonous, inhaled, absorbed, or uh, inhaled, absorbed, and 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 ingested when you when you when you eat it, right? Well, if you look at the top ten, you might find one that's uh, very unsuspecting here, Mr. Pufferfish. Maybe some of you recognize him as Mr. Sykes from, from the animated story Shark's Tale. But what this common uh, what this uh, film did not communicate is how how deadly these little guys are. Inside their liver, kidneys and spikes, the pufferfish contain poison. It's toxin that is 1200 times more deadly than cyanide. One pufferfish has enough toxin to kill 30 adults. So next time you're scuba diving, okay, and you're tempted to reach out and touch this little guy, okay, you're going to thank me. Don't touch him. <laughs> you know, they have a kind of unique thing when they're threatened, right? They, they, they inhale, you know, water and, and enough air to puff up, you know, two to three times their size, which I'm, that cannot be very comfortable. I wouldn't imagine, right? Well, the more important question is what is the greatest danger for the church and for your faith? It's not the puffer fish. Some of you may say persecution, you know, that, that, that's, that's pretty difficult, but actually if you, if you look at studies and what happens to the church and people during persecution, they are often strengthened and they grow because of it. Maybe you'll answer temptation. Certainly temptation can be devastating. But usually that's on an individualistic level. I think the greatest danger for the church and that which has the power to impact most people, more people and their faith, is false teaching. False teaching can spread like a cancer and be incredibly destructive. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 in the end times that many will be led away from the faith because of false prophets and false teachers. Today in our journey through the New Testament letters as we come to the end, we come to one of the most neglected books of the Bible. One, because it's tiny. It kind of hides between the Johns and the book of Revelation. Secondly, it's got some interesting things in there. Quotes from Enoch, and it's about you know Moses' body being argued, you know Michael and Satan arguing over you know what's up with all that. Maybe you've read it, and you're like, what's all this? Is kind of crazy stuff. But thirdly, it has some unpopular truths, some warnings that we don't always want to hear. But I believe this letter has an incredibly important message for us to warn us against growing danger. The letter is called Jude. It's named after its author, who is Judah. As he begins this letter, he says that he is the brother of James and the servant of Jesus, even though he was Jesus' half brother. I think maybe it's because when he, when Jesus was still on Earth, most of his family, other than his mother, did not believe him. They didn't share in his identity and who he was and his mission. It wasn't until afterwards that they believed, and Judah and some of the others became leaders in in the church. Judah was a traveling missionary and teacher, and, and like most pastors, Judah wanted to deliver. He wanted to write a positive, uplifting letter to these believers, but instead he couldn't. He heard of a very dangerous development in the church that needed to be addressed quickly and firmly. You see false teachers had silently kind of slipped into the church and began to poison it. And so Jude needed to address that. So this morning I want to share with you three poisons that they were using in the church that I believe are becoming more and more popular for in our culture today. The first poison is this it's the teaching that grace does not have to lead to holiness. Look what he writes in verse 4. They are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality. You see, they had changed the message. They had corrupted it to change what God's grace and the intent of it for our lives. These teachers perverted it as a license to sin. Their argument probably went something like this. You know what? Hey, we've been forgiven. So it doesn't matter how we live. We can do whatever we want because we've been forgiven. One of the major ways this came out in their own lives was greed and sexual immorality. Sound applicable for us today? Listen to the phrase Judah used to describe them. They pollute their own bodies, verse 8. They follow their own evil and ungodly desires, verse 16 and 18. Jude made reference to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah as, as a similar example of what these false teachers were doing. He writes in verse 7 that they gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. You see, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus did not die to make you happy. He died to make you holy. He died so that one day he could present you to his Father as holy. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians 1. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Why did Jesus die? Through death, to present you holy. Not only that he could present you as holy to his Father, but so that even while we're still here on earth, that we might pursue holiness and grow in holiness. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to make us holy. He gives us his holy nature so we can pursue holiness, so that we would have the growing desire and strength to pursue it. This is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians chapter 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Jesus died to make you holy. So God's grace is never to be used as a license for sin. A few weeks ago, Pastor Matt preached from Titus, one of the, my favorite passages in the whole Bible, chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I mean, we love that. We, we, we cling to that. But he goes on to say, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the glorious appearing of Christ. For the grace of God has appeared. Why? So that we might live godly lives. Have you ever thought to yourself when being tempted, you know what? It won't matter. You know what? I, I've been forgiven, I'm saved. It, it won't matter if I. If I give in, no big deal. See, that's this poison talking. That's dangerous thinking. See, sin always matters. It always matters. And the forgiveness card is to be used cautiously. It, It can always be used when there is a genuine sorrow for sin but not as a permission to sin. That's what these false teachers were doing and what we have to guard against in our hearts and our souls. Another poisonous animal that you might not expect to be in the top 10 most poisonous animals is this little guy on the screen a brightly colored and wildly patterned frog called the poison dart frog. There's actually a little guy in the first service. He knew the name of this guy. It's not because he throws poison darts. I mean, come on, frogs can't do that, right? But it's because they use his poison on darts if you want to do some harm to someone. He has actually 28 different poisons stored on his skin. It comes from accumulating from uh, his diet of ants, termites, and centipedes. So, two messages here. Don't eat ants, termites, and centipedes, okay? There's this, that's the obvious one. But the second one, if you're one of those people that you like to handle frogs, you like to play with frogs, don't do it to this one. Okay, all that poison into the skin, as soon as you grab it, the poison will get on you, and minimally, it will start to burn like crazy. So, you will thank me. The second poison that these false teachers were spreading, it was a poison in a teaching that separated Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord. Okay, look at verse 4, what Jude says. They deny Jesus Christ our only Sovereign and Lord. Okay, they liked the idea of Jesus being Savior, but they created a great division between Him and Jesus as Lord by the choices they were making. You see, once they believed that they had experienced forgiveness, the person of Jesus no longer carried any weight In their lives, when they were making their decisions and their priorities and their choices and the words they were going to use and their morality, they didn't let Jesus carry any weight in how they were living. In the book of Acts, actually, a year ago when I preached once, I shared that in the book of Acts, Jesus is mentioned as Savior a handful of times, but he's mentioned as Lord. Over 90 times. And whenever he's mentioned as Savior, he's also mentioned as Lord together, Savior and Lord. You see, Jesus didn't die just to give us a get out of hell card. He dies so that he could free us from being slaves of sin, so that we might become slaves of righteousness. His followers. His servants. He died so that we could be free to live a life that honors God instead of one that is just self fulfilling. He died so that he could have his rightful place in our life as sovereign. In Colossians 1, Paul writes so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So that in every area of your life and my life, he might have the supremacy. He goes on in chapter 2, verse 8, says that so then, just as you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live in the Lordship of Christ in your life. So that what he writes about in chapter 3, verse 17, might be true. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that whatever you do, whatever you say, might be a reflection of the presence and the weight of Jesus in your life. Jesus came to bring his kingdom. And that includes a king, one that we are called to submit to. And you know that's what heaven is gonna be. Living in his kingdom, him being our king. Right? So that's what life is, is a preparation for that, where we we little by little in life grow in understanding what it means to allow Jesus to be our Lord. How about you? Maybe you've thought a lot about maybe Jesus being savior, but what about his lordship? Have you equally thought about why Jesus died so that your whole life could be filled with his presence? So that you could be empowered to live for his glory? To bring all the areas of your life and ask Jesus, "How do you want me to live?" how can I best reflect you? Sometimes how we've heard the message has been kind of filled with poison that we can have one with the other. The third animal I want to bring up uh, is one of the most poisonous animals is the Asian tiger snake. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, wait a second. You said snakes weren't included in this list, Right? Well, these Asian tigers, snakes, they eat as a big part of their diet the cane toad. And that animal is on the top 10 list of most poisonous animals. But somehow, this snake can eat the toad, not be infected, but it can store the poison of the toad in its glands, in its throat. So not only can he be venomous, He can choose to be poisonous if he wants when attacking an enemy or defending itself. It's the only snake who can do that, which puts it at the top of the list. So, again, if you're one of those people that you like handling snakes and you're over in Asia, okay, you'd be thinking, well, Pastor Marty said, don't get near the Asian tiger snake, Okay, and you'll thank me. The third teaching, the third poison that they were uh, spreading in the church is to leave out God's judgment on sin. To leave out God's judgment on sin. In verse 18, Jude writes that there will be scoffers. Scoffers will come. Peter wrote the same thing, 2 Peter 3, 3. There will be scoffers that come. And what they're scoffing about primarily is the fact that Jesus is going to come and he's going to judge sin. Okay, what they say is, if you look back through all of history, I mean, it looks like people pretty much do whatever they want to do. What has ever changed? Maybe you even had the thought, like, you know what? It seems like sometimes the most sinful people get away with everything and prosper. Where is God's judgment? You know, you add to the fact that today we love to talk about that God is loving, right? He's gentle, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's merciful. Now, God being judging, I mean, we don't like to talk about that as much. Sin and his judgment and his holiness and his wrath but what kind of god would he be what kind of judge if you saw a judge turn a blind eye toward crime and not care what kind of judge would you say that judge is a lousy judge what kind of god would he be if he didn't care about sin the destruction that it causes and that one day he will deal with it. And so Jude does two things here. He first of all says, yes, there's going to be a time. okay, but he, but he also says God has judged. There are times in history where God has judged, where he has poured out his wrath. And so he mentions three examples from the Old Testament. The Israelites wandering around the desert. The Israelites had seen the power of God. They had his presence right there in their camp, right? They had seen the miracles he'd done. But when God said, okay, time to go take the promised land, they were like, "Uh uh-uh, nope. They rebelled against him and Moses said, we can't do it. There are giants in there. And there are a number of times throughout their wilderness they were rebelling against God, even though they had seen. I mean, can you imagine seeing some of the miracles they saw? And yet they rebelled. And Jude says God, they experienced God's wrath there in the, in the wilderness. He also mentions the, the angels who rebelled against God and, and came and, and, and had sex with women and children. And this is in Genesis 6, also in the book of Enoch and stuff. So, uh, but here's what he says about them. They are kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In other words, these angels can't do any more harm because God says enough. Enough with you. Enough with what you're doing. Then he also mentions the people of Sodom and Gomorrah where again his wrath comes down. And Jude says they serve as an example of those who will suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In other words, God has judged. But there will be a time where there will be a great day of judgment where his wrath will be poured out. So again, he quotes here Enoch. Enoch is not in the Bible, okay? Enoch is not in the Old Testament, but it was part of the respected teachings of the Jewish community that reflected other portions of Scripture. And so so, uh, Jude includes a quote from Enoch here. In verse 14, see the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly. In other words, Jude is saying, yeah, they may be scoffing, but eventually God will act. And, and Peter adds this why isn't it that God hasn't acted yet? Is because he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Paul also speaks of this day, 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord will punish men for all such sins as I've already warned you about, told you about. So the gospel makes clear that we are all sinners. We've all rebelled against God in many ways. And one act of rebellion is enough to experience His wrath. Because he is so holy. And that's why Jesus come. That's what's the beautiful offer of the gospel. Is, is that there are two ways. Because at one point, every sin ever committed will be judged. One of two ways. One, you either experience that yourself. You experience God's wrath against your rebellion. Or two, you let Jesus experience it for you, which he willingly does on the cross. Willingly experiencing God's wrath so that he might become your Savior and you might experience his grace and forgiveness. You see, the gospel helps us to see the price that Jesus paid for us in the ugliness of sin. So that we are so challenged not to turn a blind eye, not to ignore, not to not deal with that which destroys. So when we say we have been saved in Jesus, what does that mean? That means we will be saved from God's wrath because he took it for us. So Jude ends with a a challenge. He actually begins with it in verse 3. He says, contend for the faith. Contend for it. Protect it. Guard it. Teach it. Learn it. Be passionate about it. Think deeply about it. Allow it to impact your life in its fullness. But then he kind of gets back to, to what does that mean in verses 20 to 23. Well, first of all, he says, be prepared, be ready. I mean, this, this shouldn't surprise us. There's been false teaching ever since the garden when, when Satan tried to deceive and did deceive Eve. That's part of his, his, his motif throughout, trying to deceive people. And it will continue to happen until, as I mentioned, many people Matt, at the end will be deceived. How will you make sure you're not deceived? Peter ends his second letter. He says, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the knowledge. Be passionate about learning about Jesus Christ and what He accomplished for you and the preciousness of our faith. You know, we live in a time where there's access to so much material. Some of it, a lot of it, especially on the Internet you look, Is false teaching. A lot of it can be poisonous. But there is a lot of great material and teachers that you can use to strengthen your faith. So maybe you need to go to the staff and you need to ask them, hey, what are some, some great YouTube channels that you have found that have strengthened your faith? What are some good podcasts, some teachers that I can be listening to just to feed my faith and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? If you're not in a life group, a great opportunity to get together with believers and to strengthen each other in the knowledge of Jesus Christ so we are not carried away. Secondly, he says, be prayerful in the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, right, to work in our life, conform us to the image of Christ. And so Paul says, be sensitive to him. Cooperate with him. Keep in step with him. Whenever you open God's Word, whenever you go to Life Group, whenever you come on Sunday morning, be listening to what God's Spirit is teaching you, what God's Spirit wants to show you in your life. Third, keep yourself in God's love. That's kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? Keep yourself in God's love. I and mean, we talk about God's love being unconditional, right? Unending. Keep yourself in God's love. I think the best thing to help us understand is to hear the words of Jesus himself. In John 14, verses 21 and 23, Jesus said, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I think the question is, do we really believe that God knows what's best and wants what's best for us? and that that is contained in his commands toward us, his word toward us, that God wanted to direct our lives so that we could truly experience shalom, peace, loving kindness. You see, if we understand that his commands contain his love for us, that when we obey them, we grow in understanding, yep, this is why God said this, because he loves me. And we experience his presence in a fresh way. In other words, we we take sin seriously, and we take what God speaks seriously. Fourth, come alongside of others. Your walk with Jesus is not just about you, your growing in Jesus is not just for your benefit it's for your benefit, it's for your marriage, it's for your family, it's for those around you. That when you grow and become strong, then you have something to offer. So when you come across, Jude says, those who are doubting, okay, you can share with them what you've wrestled with and what you've learned about Christ. If you see someone struggling in sin, you can come alongside of them and share what you've experienced in the strength of Christ in the midst of your temptations and challenges. In other words, we take seriously growing and learning and being stretched, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. Come alongside of others. And that's how together we contend for the faith. And lastly, we keep our eyes on Jesus. And here we come to the great benediction here in the book of Jude. One of the best benedictions in the Bible. Spent a whole sermon just on this benediction. Actually, I would have preferred, you know, just, just just camp on this benediction for the day. But you know what? You can't see this benediction apart from the whole letter of what Jude wrote and why then he comes to this, challenging them to keep their eyes on Jesus Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for our journey through, really, the New Testament letters and all that we've learned from each of them, and particularly is this uh, little nugget right at the end uh, written by Jude. And Lord, we thank you for his heart, for his people, as he saw this danger and this poison impacting their lives. Well, Lord, we thank you for the message that it contains. And Lord, I pray for, for us today, Lord, that we would see the challenge and and Lord, be alert and aware that if we've heard these kind of messages and if maybe we've even allowed some of it to sink into our own heart, that today we would be warned of the poison that it is and allow your truth to empower us instead, to guide us, to strengthen us. Lord, if there's anyone here who has not allowed you to be their their Savior, I pray that today, Lord, we would all beware of our sin, our rebellion, but also your grace and forgiveness that you offer. Lord, I, I pray for all of us as well that we would equally see the importance of, of, of your Lordship in our life and what that means, and it never takes in casually. Lord, that your gospel and that your grace would empower and transform and change us and strengthen us as we look forward to your glorious appearing. May we be a beacon of strength and light in our growing dark culture. In Jesus' name, amen.